Well, congratulations on your matriculation into the Apartment Academy, your Institute of Higher NOI. I'm your host, the Dean of the Apartment Academy, Daniel Cunningham. And the Apartment Academy podcast is the multifamily industry's only operations-focused podcast, which features insights from industry leaders, investors, vendors, and technology providers. So if you invest in multifamily real estate or you're involved in day-to-day on-site operations of apartment buildings, we are your source for efficient operations and maximizing your ROI. Today's podcast was with Donald Davidoff and uh, Donald's new company, Reba, um, is a BI platform that does what, what really others have tried before. Um, others have homegrown solutions to achieve. Um, and it has been difficult, costly in the past, but so necessary. And that is uh, a, a, a visualization of key rental data that helps uh, operators make smart decisions about what to do about their property, what to do about leasing, what to do about marketing, uh, what to do about value add um, rehabs in order to lift rent, and all kinds of things that become much easier uh, to 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 discern when you have a great BI platform in place. And so, if you don't know about BI platforms, this is your day to learn. And welcome to it. Here comes Professor Davidoff. All right, hello, Professor Davidoff. Welcome to the Apartment Academy. Thanks for joining us today here in our lecture hall. I uh, really appreciate it, Daniel. Good to be with you. Yeah, Don, we've 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 um, known each other for a while, uh, and uh, uh, y- y- you've 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 always been at the forefront of uh, what's new and interesting in our business. Um, and and we're going to talk today about kind of a company you've been, you started a couple of years ago, Reba, but, but first, if you don't mind, I think it's interesting. Your journey here is one of that, that, that starts on the operation side and moves through technology. Talk just a little bit about your background, first of all. Yeah, I, it, it's interesting. I'm, I'm one of the many examples of people who accidentally got into the industry and then it's like flypaper. It just catches you and you're in the industry. Um, you know, just never going to get out of it. So I, I still think of myself as an outsider, but after 23 years, people tell me I can't do that anymore. Uh, so I was originally trained as an engineer. Uh, I ended up at a software company that specialized in pricing software, hotels, airlines, etc. <clears throat> that led me to lead the team that built LRO. That was the very first automated pricing and revenue management application in the industry. And uh, after building the V1 of that, I switched sides of the table and was the industry's very first vice president of pricing and revenue management for Artstone, a company I'm sure you remember. Um, it uh, ultimately, uh, it, it became part of the S&P 500. Then it got taken out in a go private deal by uh, Tishman Spire and Lehman Brothers at exactly the wrong time for them. The right time for our shareholders, <laughs> but the wrong time for them. And ultimately, uh, Equity and Avalon Bay um, took it out in a, in a private purchase deal uh, back in 2012. So I spent 10 years at Artstone. I spent a year actually at holiday retirement in senior living and then uh, ran a consulting company for uh, a number of years and started real estate business analytics a couple of years ago, as you said. And what was the uh, what was the the impetus for starting the company? When, when I met you, you know, your focus, at least from, from my perspective, your focus had been you were very heavy into talking about leasing and leasing strategies. And like that was a big part of your, your consultative work. Um, 
so, so how, tell us a little bit about the inspiration to start this kind of company. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I, I did focus, as you say, on, on the top line, right. Sort of high impact projects for the C-suite, but on, <clears throat> on the revenue side. So pricing revenue management, sales performance improvement, uh, marketing, other things very much related to leasing. Uh, we actually did a fair bit of business intelligence consulting. Uh, my BI journey started back with LRO. <clears throat> when I joined Archstone, uh, my originally customer, day-to-day customer, and then my sort of right hand, my number one lieutenant, a gentleman by the name of Chris Brust, he and I quickly figured out that to run pricing well, you needed to take data from two different systems of record, from the PMS and from the RMS, and bring them together into one single source of truth. So he built uh, our very first data mart at Artstone back in 2002, 2003. By 2007, it had expanded to a full data warehouse uh, and he got promoted out from under me uh, to run BI overall at Artstone. And uh, when Artstone uh, went, went away, uh, he and another gentleman, Lanny Grossi, who did all the DB work, the two of them started a bespoke BI company called Reluminous. They built Avalon Bay's BI. They designed invitation homes. With me, we actually did Irvine Apartments BI and Progress Residential. So now to get to the crux of your question, um, after building a half a dozen bespoke BI systems, we recognized 90% of the data model is the same. Rental housing is rental housing. And so the impetus behind REPA was, well, why should somebody have to spend two to three million dollars in two to three years just to get to V1 of a bespoke BI platform? What if we could make uh, a data model available on a subscription basis and people could um, have really strong contemporary uh, business intelligence platforms with much less time to get up and running and, again, on a subscription basis, so not having to spend millions up front? That really was the, the genesis of the whole thing. The idea of a BI platform in, in our businesses in multifamily is still relatively new, I'll I'll. I'll, I'll say and so so maybe can you give give the listeners an understanding of what it means what what's the purpose of a bi platform what does that really what does bi mean um and uh and so we've got some context about things we're going to talk about today yeah so so you know business intelligence is all about bringing data together to make uh make business decisions smarter and faster right so make better decisions smarter decisions and do it faster um we're all very used to reporting, but what a good business intelligence platform does <clears throat> is it creates or, or presents you know, dashboards that um, provide a lot more information uh, more contextually than just simple reports. And you know, what I learned long ago, uh, even in my pricing days, is if I can control what um, operators see, how they view their world through their reports and dashboards, then I can have a lot more influence on how they behave. And so good BI lets uh, uh, you know, the, the heads of the operations group, the heads of other departments, really orient people to what they need to see in order to spend their time most efficiently. Another piece of BI is by having all that data together, it allows you to start engaging in concepts like predictive analytics. So instead of just showing the what and the why, you can also then... Uh, begin to build some algorithms that look into the future. So for example, one of the dashboards we built uh, that is a form of predictive analytics is we show what the conversion ratios are uh, recently. So what's our, you know, what's our uh, lead to visit ratio, our visit to lease, 
our least to, uh, to move in ratios, and then allow mm-hmm. the user to um, do what if analysis around different ratios uh, to get to a different occupancy. So let's say I'm at 94% occupancy right now and I want to get to 95 and I want to get there in six weeks. So I enter 95% in six weeks and I either set my conversion ratios to the same as what I've been doing recently, or maybe I think I'll do a little better, or I want to see what happens if I do a little worse. And the system can quickly calculate based on all the data, well, here's how many leads you will need to get there. And here's how that compares to what your recent lead velocity has been. Is that realistic? Will you have to invest more to get there, et cetera? So a a marketing or an operating user can interact with their dashboard, not just look at data, but actually say, well, what if this? What if that? Here's what that means in terms of what I'll need to do marketing-wise to get to that goal. And what Don, what's so hard about this? Why why does it cost upwards of you just mentioned two million dollars for a bespoke BI platform? Like what makes this so difficult? Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, IT labor is not cheap these days. So, you know, if you're spending a wrap cost of a couple hundred thousand dollars per person, you know, for developers and people like that, it doesn't take that big a team <clears throat> before the start the costs start uh, coming up. But in terms of the complexity, it's it's very easy to state sort of what we want a system to do, but to actually get the data modeling right and then to get the ETLs. ETL is a acronym for extract, transform, load. So that's the piece of software, the middleware, that extracts data from a system, be it a PMS, could be Leonardo 24-7, could be a reputation management uh, platform, you know, any system of record, right? It extracts that data, transforms it into a format that can be viewed uh, along with other data, and then loads that into the BI platform. So if you think about, like our system right now, we have something like 367 metrics and over 267 dimensions. So that's got to be modeled. It's got to be coded. Um, all these tables have to be built. All the processes to get data from a system of record into that platform need to be built. And and to be candid, without trying to pick too much on the PMS vendors, their data models can be somewhat obtuse at times, and and it can take a lot of, you know, trial and error to get the data um, correct and to transform it correctly. Uh, so it just it ends up building up a a lot of hours, uh, and you need pretty sophisticated people. So we're not talking about fifty dollar an hour kind of people doing this. Um, it's just very expensive. It's a lot of work to slog through. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I, I obviously from given my my uh, the businesses that I've started, I'm I'm a big believer in finding best of breed software, not not rolling your own. It's very difficult and expensive. But 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 you look, you saw the problem. And you're like, okay, so enter Reba. What is what were you going to do better? What were you what would you guys do differently? Sure. So before Reba, people basically had you know sort of three choices. I can live in Excel hell. Right, Excel Hell is this stage many of us are in where we have, it, I like to call them spread marts, right? It's not just spreadsheets. I don't have a true data mart, but I've got spreadsheet on top of spreadsheet. You've got your spreadsheet. I've got my spreadsheet. I actually store some information, um, you know, maybe even capture some history myself to have it. And so you get all these interconnected spreadsheets. Um, at first, they give more capability, but then you end up in a situation where like one report has four different occupancies, right? It gets very complex coordinating all this stuff. So Excel Hell is pretty painful. You could build your own bespoke. We talked about that already. Very expensive, very time consuming. <clears throat> and candidly, the third choice, um, the existing off the shelf 
um, I use air quotes, BI solutions, they're, they're really fairly constrained. Um, so if I, if I use one of those existing uh, report engines, absolutely that's better than nothing. It, it gives me access to some consolidated data, gives me some preset dashboards, but it doesn't have the solutions that were there before Reba didn't have the kind of flexibility to build whatever you want, uh, customize it however you want, the way a bespoke system did. So our aspiration, what we think we do um, different and better than anybody else, is give a bespoke quality experience without having to make a bespoke investment. One of the key ways we do that is we've separated the data layer from the, uh, from the visualization layer. So um, we use, we're, we're all in on the Microsoft stack. Uh, so we're using Azure, we're using SSAS. Uh, those of you who know BI, geek out on that. If, if you don't know that and you're listening, don't worry, that's just the tool set for the application set for the BI platform. And then we're using Power BI for the visualization. So all of our dashboards are built in Power BI. Well, what's cool about that is we can choose and we do choose to give that, that source code, what's called the PBIX file, to our customers. So when a customer is using Reba, out of the box, they've got our 50 plus dashboards. They can hit the ground running. But I learned long ago, trying to come up with one set of dashboards for even just one company is a fool's errand. Everybody wants something different. So to try to come up with one set of dashboards for the industry, we don't even pretend to do that. We come up with a good core set of product dashboards and then the customer can take it, use it as is, use it as a template, modify it, switch things up. I, I want some other metric here, not that one. I want this to be a graph, not a table, or a table, not a graph. I want this to be bigger, those to be smaller. All those changes, easily customizable in minutes using Power BI or build new ones from scratch. So that, that complete customizability uh, configurability on the front end, I think makes us very unique. And then the other thing we give is direct access to the database through Excel. So 95 to 99% of users are gonna use the pre-published dashboards, but who's that data geek, that data jock that the COO turns to when she needs a good answer, right? And, and an existing dashboard doesn't provide it. That data person, that Excel jock usually, can actually access the entire warehouse and do ad hoc analysis on any dimension, any metric that's in the warehouse. That's a bespoke quality experience. That's what we had at Archstone with our bespoke system. That's what you know, Chris and Lanny built for Avalon Bay. By the way, I mentioned Chris and Lanny because they're my other two co-founders. Uh, so that's what Avalon Bay had. That's what Irvine has. You know, that's what anybody who builds a bespoke system has. So we want Reba users to be able to have that ad hoc analysis capability as well. So, so. Uh... A Microsoft user now could go to Power BI and build these things themselves. The advantage of Reba is you've already pre-built a number of these dashboards already, and the connect the database connection side. Talk, I mean, is that's obviously the the difficult part of this? Yeah. So, so a few things. First of all, the connection to get the data from the system of record, like a Yardi or a real page or whatever, and normalize it and get it into a set of metrics and dimensions that are easy to process, that, is a, that data modeling and, and data extract work is, is a massive endeavor <clears throat> that we've already done that work, okay? So an interesting thing about Power BI, you can take Power BI and point it to any data source you want, and some people do this. In fact, I was reading an article, a blog the other day, where this guy was writing about how, you know, you can take Power BI and you can point it to multiple data sources, 
and you can basically create a mini warehouse within Power BI and operate on it. But the problem is you have to do that for every single dashboard. So for a small number of dashboards, that might work. But when you're trying to scale an enterprise BI, you don't want to do all that work inside of Power BI because you have to repeat it for every single dashboard. What you really want to do is still build a classic warehouse, right? So despite Power BI's flexibility, that flexibility is a strength, but a strength overdone is a weakness. If you overdo it, it actually becomes complex. It's its own version of Excel help. Um, so instead, what you want to do with a really enterprise dashboard or enterprise BI platform is still create that data warehouse that normalizes, let's just even take data like occupancy, right? Does occupancy include down units or not? A model unit, is that 0 for 1 or is it 0 for 0, right? Is it like a walk in baseball? Does it count in the batting average? Or does it count as, as 0 for 1 in terms of occupancy? If you try to do everything in Power BI, you have to set that definition every single time. If you build a warehouse oh, right. where that ETL I mentioned before does that for you, we have decided that models just don't count. They're neither numerator nor denominator. Well, that's built into occupancy. And so now every time you build a new dashboard or a new report, you grab occupancy, that definition is already there. Okay? If, again, if you're trying to build it only in Power BI, you have to keep maintaining all those definitions. And that works at small scale. It doesn't work at large scale. Is that something that's user configurable as well? That that the definition of, of occupancy, for example, yeah. It's, no, that's that's a really good point because some of the off the shelf solutions prior to Reba, they made that decision for you. So I'll I'll actually use another example: renewal percentage. One of the popular systems, um, if it's showing you a renewal percentage, it includes early terminations. And if you're trying to understand turnover, that's great. It should include early terminations. But if you're trying to understand how is my renewal strategy working, well, early terminations have nothing to do with renewal strategy, right? Only thing that matters for renewal strategy is when you get to a renewal. <clears throat> so uh, a good BI platform actually offers both and allows people who, you know, allows users who are creating dashboards or reports to pick which one they want. Because depending on the purpose of my report, I may want early terminations included or I may want early terminations excluded. Same thing with model units. I may want them included. I may want them excluded. And so a good BI platform gives the user the flexibility to configure, like you said, right? To pick one or the other, depending on which purpose they're, they're having. Sounds like, uh, it sounds like you, you take a pretty deep dive then at setup. Or, or, or maybe you have sort of an out-of-the-box, okay, here's our best practices. If you want to do something yeah. different, you right. can do something different. But talk a little bit about the, the exactly. effort it takes to, to get set up with Reba. The, the, um, that is a time when there's fairly heavy effort on the customer's part. But before then, the two major things that have to happen, right? One is we have to work with the IT team to get the data connections in place. Uh, so we have, you know, scripts and packages and uh, things to make that as simple as possible, but it takes a little bit of work on the IT team. And then the other you mentioned is, is relates to the business side. So on the business side, you're absolutely right. We do have a sort of out-of-the-box factory settings. Here's how, you know, here's what is included or not included in occupancy. Here's how renewals work, you know, a host of other analogous uh, uh, parameters, if you will. Part of the implementation then is the implementation manager is going to go through with the business leader. Here's all the things that are configurable. Here's how we have them in the factory setting. Here's why that's the factory setting. But if you want to change that definition or configure it differently, now's your chance to do that. I mean, they can always do it later on as well, but it's, it's better to get it right the first time. 
So there is a, mm -hmm. a period, you know, a set of, of meetings, you know, it's not tens of hours, but there's a couple hours of reviewing the setup and making conscious decisions whether to accept the factory setting or want to do something a little different. Got it. Well, tell us about, talk to us about post setup, you're up and running. What are some of the aha moments that you can expect to have once you've got a, a properly configured BI platform at your disposal? Yeah, I think, I think um, there's two categories of aha moments. The one that's probably more frustrating, but it's still a win, is a good business intelligence platform um, uh, surfaces all sorts of data anomalies. So <clears throat> you find that there are some data governance issues on how you fix those anomalies. Like you would be surprised, or maybe with your background, Daniel, having done this before, you wouldn't be so surprised that, you know, today's PMS, you can still find leases where the move out was before the move in. Right. You know, or you have negative days on market or, or things uh -huh. that just they're just physically wrong. Somebody fat fingered um, a data element. And for some reason, the system of record didn't capture or catch that it had to be a mistake. So, you know, one of the ahas is you get a sense of, oh, here's how clean or not clean my data is. And here's what we do to fix that. Um, more in, in the true ROI uh, uh, range, you, you learn stuff about your business you didn't know. Our first customer we turned them on in the middle of the um, uh, of the COVID pandemic and the early days of it. <clears throat> and we saw that the studio occupancies were plummeting compared to the ones, twos, and threes. And the conventional wisdom was that the threes would be a problem because families would want to, you know, get out of Dodge and, and find more space. Um, <clears throat> at first we thought it literally, we just turned it on. Wow. We must have a bug. We, we checked into it. Nope. Our data was correct. And sure enough, um, the studios, particularly in San Francisco and also in New York, were really suffering. <clears throat> um, that gave the company advance warning so they could do some things marketing-wise, pricing-wise, to um, try to help stem that tide. <clears throat> Even to the degree that, okay, that was just the market's doing it. There's nothing we can do about it. Imagine the difference of being able to proactively let your stakeholders know, right, your board or your owners your clients, whatever, hey guys, here's what we're seeing and this is going to take a while to fix out, uh, to fix itself out, as opposed to doing a post-mortem when one of them is asking, why are you having problems? So um, that was one example where they could proactively manage the messaging. Um, another very direct ROI, um, we have a partnership with Ingrain and I don't know if for any listeners that don't know who Ingrain is, uh, they've been doing kiosks for many years and they're kind of the kings of visual mapping of, of buildings, units, um, its floors, et cetera. <clears throat> so with our partnership with Ingrain, they actually give all of our customers uh, a couple of free Ingrain maps for each community so that you can see uh, key metrics, not just in a dashboard or report, but literally in a 3D visualization of your property. No, that's very uh, interesting. We had one client, it's, it's, very, it's, it's really, really cool. I mean, anybody who, who wants to get a demo of it, it's quite sexy. We love showing it off. One of, our, one of our customers using that, they were doing a lease up, happened to be a high rise. And they noticed very quickly that one of the, you know, they were just looking at occupancy, right? Which at that point is 100 or zero, right? The unit's occupied or not as it's leasing up. And they looked at the visual representation and they noticed one of their stacks was a third leased up when everybody else was just starting to lease or all the other units just starting to lease. Hmm, they wondered what's going on there. They found out that they had left out a $500 amenity Oops, the market seeing, you know, a price with a $500 amenity not included, 
um, was jumping at it. And so they were able to fix that when they were a third leased up instead of waiting till the whole thing was leased up and they were looking backwards, suddenly going, WTF, you know, we didn't get this amenity on this unit. So they literally, two thirds of that stack, got the $500 amenity that was otherwise missing. Without the BI platform, they, they would have missed it. Wow, that's cool. Uh, what, so those are a couple of good ROI examples. Are there any, maybe there's not a direct ROI with these, but um, what are the other like most commonly used um, you know, data visualizations that you, that you see implemented? Yeah, I mean, uh, one, of the, one of our more popular ones is a scorecard that lets you quickly see several key metrics like lease tradeouts, occupancy, availability, <clears throat> and sort of red, green, yellow it. So you can, you can use the, the scorecard to um, prioritize where you want to put your efforts. Um, you know, your marketing people, your operating people can both look at the places that need the most help first, quickly identify that. Uh, we've actually created a new metric we call weeks of supply. So weeks of supply takes availability and it divides it by the trailing three-week net lease average. So, you know, if I told you that a property was at 8%, you know, is that good or bad? Well, you know, most people would say 8% is starting to get a little scary. But if I told you that it was leasing so fast that it was only four and a half weeks of supply, you'd go, well, that's not a problem at all then. Uh, and so... You know, exposure availability <clears throat> can start to scare people when it shouldn't because there's plenty of leasing going on. Or on the other hand, if it's 8% with very little leasing, so that's really 16 weeks of supply, then it should scare you. So that metric of weak supply is something we invented to um, help people more quickly understand whether an availability was actually good or bad, right? Availability is kind of a results indicator. We happen to be 8% available. Weak supply is more of a performance indicator how are we doing in terms of where we want to be going forward? So that, you know, has helped people know when to put attention or, or when to, don't worry about it. Let the prices keep rising. You know, yeah, that's a little high availability, but we're leasing great. Yeah, that's spoken like a good LRO executive. Don't worry. There you go. Pricing will go. rise or pricing will adjust accordingly. Yeah, exactly. And, if, and, and by the way, if weak supply starts to rise because leasing drops off, you know, pricing's going to flatten and even go down if it has to. Absolutely. Yeah. Is there, uh, Don, would you say there's a, a sweet spot for the size of an organization um, before they really can benefit or should consider deploying a BI platform? You know, I've, I've always thought that, uh, you know, the, the sort of cutoff, anything above about 8,000 units and you really need um, good BI. Uh, I, I will tell you, two of our first 10 customers are under 5,000 units. So, you know, as I've gotten to talk with them and learn a little bit more, um, certainly the larger you are, the more imperative it is, but I've kind of learned that it's less about a pure size cutoff and it's more about kind of the sophistication of how the CEO and the COO want to operate their business. And, you know, in that context, there are 5,000 unit uh, portfolios that really need, need BI and maybe some larger ones that if, if they're not as into data-driven decision-making, you know, maybe a little smaller, but certainly the larger you are, the more imperative it is. And if on one end of the spectrum is a $2 million bespoke BI platform, what, how is, how's the SaaS model here work? What, what, what sort of cost will people incur to deploy Reba? Yeah, that, that's a really good question. Uh, you know, it, it's, we, we do a per unit per month, uh, you know, kind of uh, pricing. Um, you know, it's depending on the size of the portfolio, it's anywhere from, I'll say as low as 50 cents to, 
as much as maybe a dollar per unit per month. Uh, we do have a minimum monthly fee. I mean, honestly, as a startup and, and for the amount of effort it takes to set something up, because all that IT setup, you know, whether it's two properties or 200 properties is a, about the same amount of setup work. So we do typically have a, a minimum $5,000 a month uh, and, and go from there. Uh, really, really large companies, you know, if you've got 100,000 units, 200,000 units, you know, maybe 50, even 50 cents seems too high. So then you kind of have a national account situation. But the vast majority of people are paying 60 to 80 cents per unit per month. Got it. So um, we're running up against our um, sort of our, our end of our time. If, if Don... Don, if, if somebody was considering a BI platform or, or how, how should, well, uh, what guidance, let me put a phrase this way, what, what guidance would you give to people to say whether or not it's time for them to look into this and what resources are out there for them to understand BI platforms better? Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of resources. If you just Google BI, there's all sorts of blogs out there. Um, I'd, I'd encourage people go to getreba.com, so G-E-T-R-E-B-A.com. Just go to our resource center. We have a couple of white papers there. Uh, that I think uh, are very informative about what to think about, what to care about. You can also read some of our past blogs. Uh, you know, in terms of, you know, what, what would, you know, what would indicate that maybe you ought to be thinking about this? Um, if you have metrics that have different numbers in multiple reports, the, the classic one is occupancy, right? If three different reports have four different occupancies on them, you probably, now I, now I feel like Jeff Foxworthy, you need a BI platform, right? The old, you might be a redneck. You might need a BI platform. Maybe we'll do something like <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, um, you might need BI. So, so definitely if that's happening, if, you, <clears throat> if you're doing postmortems, right? If you're analyzing why something went wrong so that you can learn how to avoid it in the future instead of finding it you know, quicker, you probably need a BI platform. I'll go back to that lease-up example, right? If I'm doing a postmortem on how did we miss out $500 on 30 floors, right? As opposed to we noticed it five or six leases in because it was leasing so fast. That would be another indication if you need it. Um, I mean, another thing that I've seen that's very interesting, it's always been hard. I mean, I'm on a 20-year mission to try to figure out how to help somebody who doesn't have BI understand the value of it. And it's really, really difficult. Uh, I've talked to many CLOs that don't have it, and it's always hard bringing it to life. That said, What's interesting is every COO or CEO I know who, for whatever reason, got to a point where they had a good BI platform and they left that job and went to another company that didn't have a BI platform, BI all of a sudden was immediately their you know, number one or number two priority. So if, you, if you've had it and you suddenly don't have it, you just feel like you're flying blind and it's a super, super high priority. And so that really is an indication yeah. of how valuable it is, even though it's kind of hard to articulate to somebody who's never had it. Yeah, yeah, the ROI can be perhaps um, difficult to define sometimes, but uh, hard to go back once you've got it in place. Yeah. It, it really um, is. Donald, because, best yeah. of luck. Yeah, mm -hmm. say oh, no, it again. Go ahead. Sorry, I, I was saying it, it really is it, it really is true what you were saying, that it can be hard to define, but when, once you've got it and you realize all the ways you're just making better decisions, you, you never want to turn it off. Yeah, yeah. Well, Donald, best of luck uh, growing the company. It sounds like you're off to a great start. It's definitely uh, an idea uh, whose time has come. I mean, personally, I think if you're a sophisticated operator, I'm not sure why you would want to 
run buildings without um, using some level of BI to understand sort of true operations. So, so uh, I definitely endorse the concept, and um, and I'm sure with your industry experience and and connections, the business will grow quickly. Thanks for joining us today and, and talking to everybody about uh, what BI means, so that they can they can join the wave. Um, and uh, we'll see you at um, our pipe is coming up in down in San Diego. Absolutely. And th- thanks so much for having me, Daniel. Look forward to seeing you and catching up. It's, it's great that we can be in person again. Looking forward to San Diego. Sure is. Thanks, Don. Well, that is a wrap with today's lecture from our elbow patch festooned professor of multifamily science. We appreciate you logging in and listening again today. If you enjoy these podcasts and, and you feel like your management company can use a little advice from some of the professors here at the Apartment Academy, then go to our website, apartmentacademy.com, and click Help Me. We'll send you a questionnaire and provide individualized responses to your answers at no charge uh, that I guarantee will offer you insights on ways you can immediately improve apartment operations. Until next time, my office hours are posted, and we'll see you in the classroom.